0: Every Wednesday in Sound of Play, we bring you some of our and your favourite pieces from the many video game soundtracks we've enjoyed over the many decades. And joining me, Leon Cox, in Sound of Play 191 is from our now sister podcast playwright, Ryan Quintal. Welcome back to Sound of Play, Ryan.
1: Leon, it's so nice to be here, and this is my first time being on with you instead of that That's boring true. guy that I'm always hosting shows
0: with. Yeah, Mr. Namesake. <laughs> uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Playwright as we go on, and we'll certainly plug it at the end. Obviously, it's to all our benefits, uh, but, yeah, we're happy to say we've, uh, we've taken you under our wing. We've hoovered you up, and uh, hopefully that will mean good things for everyone concerned. It's a podcast that comes out now on a Thursday. So if you subscribe to this and you subscribe to Kane and Rinse and you should also subscribe to the Sausage Factory that comes out on Fridays. But your Thursday instalment from us is a, it's a different kind of show in which Ryan here and other Ryan, who you know from Sound of Play, invent games from just nothing. Ideas, words, the ether.
1: Yeah. Um. And how many shows have you been going now? 80 something? Oh, uh, as of when somebody's listening to this, it should yes. be clocking in around 92, I think.
0: There we go. Yeah. And you've done, is that, have you precisely done three games per show, all of those shows?
1: Yep. Yeah. So I maybe the first show had just two pitches on it because we obviously didn't have listeners oh, yeah. writing in yet, but. Yeah, that's we're coming up on about three hundred video game ideas, which is kind of crazy.
0: Fantastic. None of them yet have been actually optioned or made. Is is <laughs> or or have they?
1: The checks in the mail, as they say. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I. You know, I think it's so funny because uh, you know we can obviously talk more about the show if you want, but the I think Kane and Rince now is kind of getting we're almost completing the entire donut where we're coming up with games and then you're reviewing and discussing games and then talking to the people that made the game. So yeah, we're we're... listening
0: to the music. Yeah. Wouldn't it be amazing if we did do the whole thing from the start, like a playwright uh, pitch was turned into a game and then chris interviewed the people making the game then on kane and rince in a couple of years we reviewed the game and then on the sound of play we invite the composer on and talk to him about the music that that would be the dream wouldn't it to completely wrap it up
1: yeah it would let's get into circle. the business of hiring developers i'm ready <laughs>
0: Yeah, if, uh, uh, as always, uh, if you want to um, fund that, Eccentric Millionaire listeners, we have a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Rince. But enough of that pitching for now. Uh, we'll come back to that. But this is Sound of Play, so let's talk music. We've opened there with what must be a familiar sounding piece to many people, if not this version, although I gather it's sold umpty, thrumpty million copies since <laughs> it came out a few months ago pokemon let's go pikachu or eevee depending on your choice who is your choice
1: i'm pikachu all the way i eevee is a nothing yeah. pokemon that can't decide <laughs> oh, what it wants harsh. to be <laughs> <laughs> my god i
0: didn't realize that everything every walk of life every walk of video games the the tribalism the one-sidedness <laughs> just comes slamming down i was thinking i was thinking ryan might say oh eevee's cute but you know, uh, Pikachu's been there from the off. No, it's like, Eevee's <laughs> nothing. Eevee <laughs> is dead to me. <laughs> dead Eevee to is me scum. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's brown, isn't it? So it's not quite as... I think it's... Maybe it's just the it's color. kind of like
0: an animal. It's 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 like, yeah. I mean, uh, we talked before, when we I think when we featured Pokemon music on Sound of Play before, that those poor people at Creatures Inc. who have to continue to come up with ah. new <laughs> creature ideas, uh, and they ran out about... 15 years ago, <laughs> but yeah. they're still making more somehow.
1: I know now that uh, when are we going to get the Pokemon that is, I mean, we've already have ones holding spoons. So I know we have the sword and stuff. It's Pokemon. just going
0: to be a, yeah, they are just going to, yeah, it's going to be like a, It'll be ideas. Uh, a drink, It'll be concepts. A drinks coaster, yeah. <laughs> a prism, uh, a tetrahedron. Uh, there probably is one. I don't know. I'm oh. not. I'm not keeping up. So I have you. Like I own several Pokemon games up to the last generation, uh, but I've not. I've not caught them all, as they say, or as they said twenty something years ago. Um, so when you got Pikachu, let's go, Pokemon. Uh, was that a? Was it? Mainly a nostalgia thing, or were you thinking, right, I'm going to kick off my Pokemon habit all over again, or a bit uh, of everything?
1: Yeah, well, I knew that the Pokemon company was kind of taking a chance with this, saying, hey, can we bring in some of our Go mechanics and bring old players back into the fold? I never really fully went away. I did play Sun and Moon and X and Y a little bit, um, but I was so interested to see the first foray on to Switch what they could do with the visuals, what they could do with the mechanics. I love some of the quality of life stuff they did. Um, and it, I, after playing it for a while, I, I bought the soundtrack. You couldn't stream it for whatever reason. Um, and I was just so surprised to hear like tracks that were well done and well instrumented enough to still read as the tracks from my childhood and like tap that nostalgia yeah. bone, but do it in a way that felt like modern and fresh.
0: Yeah, so it's work. Is uh, the game work for you?
1: Yeah, I think so. I I'm still playing it. Uh, <laughs> H actually sent me a message the other day requesting some Pokemon trades. Uh, I think he uh-huh. wants to get his evolution on. So, yeah, uh, right. I think we will probably be doing that. I I have to catch up to him. I think I'm one town behind. Okay, and I mean he has
0: a massive. You'd think he has a massive advantage working at Nintendo <laughs> in Seattle. Uh, he should have access to all the best Pokemon and he should know everything about it and the law and i mean it's kind of cool though that you've got like your one your one per, like in the in the Kevin Bacon game in the in the 6 degrees of separation you are like 2 degrees away from the people who make pokemon
1: i know that's kind of strange to think about because he you know for obvious reasons he doesn't want to play up the fact that he works on nintendo but it's no. he's got the exact right Demeanor, I think, for somebody that works at that company, somebody he's, mm. he's very steady, very even, has a huge reverence for games, and is pretty highly thoughtful. creative, very creative, yeah. exactly.
0: Mm. Excellent. So, yeah. Uh, so, in terms of picking that title screen piece from the Pokemon uh, for the start of the show, is it a little nod to, Did Did you grow up with the anime? I know you're you're considerably younger than I am.
1: I did. I saw the Pokemon movie in the theater, so I was kind of right. there. At that age, even though the anime was a little too, even as I, I only watched a few episodes, and I read it as kind of more of a kids thing. But my yeah, younger yeah. brothers played the card game. He was a card collector. Yeah. We, you know, it, it's always great. Like I think you guys said this when you were reviewing, um, Pokemon games on Canon Rants that it's it, the setup is great because it always kind of demands that you bring a friend with you right okay you get the other version and then you're in this blood back to ensure that you beat the game together or whatever
0: yeah yeah um well nice opening uh good uh yeah um with with zest and and a, a sense of triumph we open this this sound of play um and as always we'll be interspersing Ryan's picks with Picks from the forum and the community, which uh, which have different moods and feels and atmospheres and are from different eras. Uh, And yeah, this one, this next one's from 20 years before that latest Pokemon game. And it's from a request from Flabio, who says Parasite Eve hit in the same year as Xenogear's Final Fantasy Tactics and Metal Gear Solid and kind of went under the radar a bit. I still think it's one of Yoko Shimomura's best soundtracks, though, although some of the vocal samples for the operatic tracks sound a bit ropey to modern ears. Anyway, this is the end credits orchestral performance of the game's main theme, definitely one for lovers of piano pieces. Note well, sadly, the slight background hiss is present on the original recording, even the official soundtrack CD has it. So, uh, yeah, don't adjust your... Uh, music player. This is just how it is, but it's still very much worth hearing. This is uh, Yoko Shimomura stretching her uh, fingers all across uh, eight minutes almost of the main theme of Parasite Eve. Parasite Eve's main theme from the 1998 PS1 game. Uh, Glenn, who requested it there, said that the game sort of went under the radar. Well, I'm not sure that's quite true. It's, I definitely think it's considered a cult classic. And I think most gamers uh, of a certain age and a certain kind of uh, level of enthusiasm know Parasite Eve. But one of the key things was it didn't come out in Europe. So oh. we didn't get it basically. Wow. Uh, so, so I have an American guest with me. Now, you'd have been pretty young when Parasite Eve came out, I guess, but uh, do you remember
1: it at yeah, all? Yeah, it hit for me. It, it did show up on my radar here, Flabio. Uh, it it was one of those things where I was just getting into that PlayStation era at the time. My, my taste was expanding to include uh, Final Fantasy VII and Resident Evil 2 mm-hmm. and... Um, either shamefully or not shamefully, a little bit of Dino Crisis mixed up in there. Oh, Nothing um,
0: wrong with that. We're covering Dino Crisis, the original later this year on the Kano O'Rince show.
1: Oh, fantastic. So, mm. yeah, I think Parasite Eve kind of slotted in well because it was kind of almost Resident Evil 2, but what if you slapped some RPG uh, into there, you know, with a little bit yeah. more of a a story along with it? And, yeah, I, I was always very taken by the game. I... Hadn't heard this track before, um, because I didn't roll credits on that thing. I did not can and rinse, Parasite Eve. But um, yeah, what a lovely piece!
0: Yeah, this is what Square was doing there at this point, and it's kind of a shame that we get less of this these days in the in the expensive, risk averse development uh, environment that we are now. But Square made they made a kind of arena based fighting game in air guides mm. they made a shoot 'em up with einhander they made a survival horror game and they were in in parasite even they were effectively flexing their muscles and testing the waters with the different genres and in most cases they were they made really well received and successful entries in all of those genres that were not their their level you know their standard expertise areas of expertise so Uh, yeah we'll see less of that in future sadly uh, that sort of experimentation certainly in terms of big budget big box releases like Parasite Eve was at the time Um, but yes it's definitely a game I'd like us to cover on on the other podcast someday uh, and its sequel
1: it must be hard to play on like a modern Mm. platform now
0: possibly so I mean we we go we go back sometimes some some games uh, sort of served by time better than others I know the guys had a uh, had a, 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 big, a bit of a time playing Tenchu, Stealth Assassins, last year, which is a fondly remembered game. But sometimes we go back and um, it's actually, you know, it's surprisingly refreshing. Yeah. Uh, it, there was also a third uh, a third Parasite Eve game, which I think was called Third Birthday, if I recall rightly. But, um, yeah, a, another curious series and on, no doubt on our big long list.
1: Yeah, I remember being so struck by the uh, the cinematics. And right. always stayed with me, especially the movie sequences and that early PlayStation era, that Parasite Eve, the opera, the people on fire, the whole thing was crazy.
0: Yes. Uh, horrific scenes, the likes of which we'd never seen before. Um, yeah, so I know uh, if there's a theme to the music that you've brought for us this time, it's that it's new. It's really new, <laughs> new stuff, uh, contemporary, uh, which is great. Um, and this next one, it's from a game that literally came out last week at the time of recording, and that is the Division Two, Tom Clancy's. Uh, so the music here, Rooftops, uh, was this, uh, are you a fan of the previous game? Is this a day one purchase, or have you just happened upon the OST and gone,
1: wow? Um, uh, so a little bit of both. I liked the first Division Two. It was when the idea of the loot shooter was still pretty new to console players, and, um, I ended up liking it mostly because I was playing it with a dedicated group of it was actually my brothers. Here we go, bringing them back into the fold where they were uh they were playing, I was playing, we enjoyed it. I said, "Hey, if this is a little bit more of the same and a and maybe an expansion on some ideas, I'll give it a shot." And so, yeah. I did, and I I was just really surprised by the soundtrack because the soundtrack for the first game, I couldn't even I couldn't hum you a single track off of it. No. And right. I don't know if this particular track is hummable or not, but the soundtrack almost feels like it's punching above its weight to this uh, in this game where it it's a little bit better than it has any right to be in it that it's very intense and synth in some parts and then um this track rooftop is very relaxed and gives you that you know that walking dead in dc kind of like something's around the corner but we don't quite know what or maybe it's fine maybe you'll just come across a deer or something <laughs>
0: Uh, so, yeah, are you stuck into this already? or uh, Yeah, I've spent
1: becoming... about mm, maybe four or five hours with it. I think I'll continue. Mm-hmm. It, it, I mean, yeah. it's so far seems like they're doing a good job, but I'm really using I'm kind of playing it almost to keep up with what AAA is doing as I yeah. sink more time into indies and Mm-hmm. Uh, or Nindy's, I guess As they might be called now uh, yeah. On the Switch And uh, actually some of the other tracks That I brought for you today
0: Yeah, yeah uh, So this is Ola Strand A composer I don't think we've ever featured before And Rooftops from Massive Entertainment's Tom Clancy's The Division 2 So over here, uh, it doesn't work so well now because uh, they rebranded the leagues uh, years ago. But the division, Division Two, before they renamed them uh, Championship, League One, and League Two, just referred to the the twenty or twenty-four football teams that weren't in the top division. Basically. So, <laughs> I think we still uh, have that so,
1: concept in here in America. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you had. um, But normally, like, your leagues are divided up by geography, aren't they? And um, you don't tend to have in, like, in the NFL, there aren't really division, lower divisions, are there, as such? You've got divisions by West East and whatever. Am I right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Man, I mean, now tying it into your previous theme, are we... Are we even tribalized in, in in our national pastimes? It seems like yeah, we probably. are. Uh, East coast, west coast, all the way. So um, that's right. Yeah, I, yeah, we kind of go up by section, and it's very regional. I'm from uh, Massachusetts, which is a very like even our a state that's so close, New York. There's a very intense sports rivalry. Um, yeah. So yeah, location matters.
0: And uh, now you're in Detroit the uh, let me hang on steelers football team
1: um the detroit they, it, has it changed the lions. pistons the lions, lions? yeah <laughs> i don't
0: know there's a, <laughs> the, it depends on the sport i'm not sure which sport we're talking about uh, i don't really i I used to back in the uh, 16-bit era when i was playing the nhl games and the nfl games madden uh ea's various sports games uh i think many many people other than the the biggest enthusiasts have kind of fallen off those. But back in the 90s, you would just buy these games because they were great games. You right. know, you'd just be like, it's a it's a fun football game. I don't know anything about football. Who cares? Uh, I'll play that. And NHL was the same, the amount of people who played EA hockey. Uh, and so through those, when they started to get the licenses after the first few editions, I started to learn a little bit more about American sport, and also they they had the NBA one as well. Early on, it was just called Lakers versus Celtics in the NBA playoffs, Um, and they only had the two licensed teams, I think. So uh, from there, it's expanded. Um, Yeah, and here we are now. Now there's two officially licensed NBA games, I think NBA Live and NBA 2K. I don't know. I don't know how they divvy up the the differences. Um, I guess it's a bit like Pro Evo and FIFA football, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm just waff, waffling about sport now randomly. We're well, not, it's we, funny we haven't that even you got any sport music. Because
1: <laughs> I, my introduction to sports was actually the exact same way. Probably no surprise that um, you know, a chubby little indoor kid that played video games all the time. <laughs> like the the way I learned about football and basketball was through the NBA and the Madden series. Um, yeah, and yeah, and sure. then it helped me like read the sport and. Selfishly, maybe I should definitely steal my be selfish and steal my time with you right now and say, should I pick up FIFA or Paz or you know, what what should I do here? <laughs>
0: oh, it's uh if only that was an e- there was an easy answer to that that didn't take a two hour podcast <laughs> at least to uh to discuss. But uh, but I'm still currently uh going against the grain a bit of the purists uh, and I'm I'm still a FIFA player at this point. Um but it's, 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 it's a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Fair it's enough. Like long and, yeah. Um, and also one thing confuses me. We say, we say, the I say we, the English, speak, speaking tribally, we we famously say maths and you guys say math. Yeah. But we say sport and you say sports. That's the other way around. What?
1: It's like we got all. It makes no sense. Of, we <laughs> heard the language once in America because I'm from New England, so it's literally called New England. And when yeah, you hear yeah, yeah. some of the accents in my hometown, you know, people will say that they're going to take a bath. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, so yeah. there's there's weird vestige of it, but it's almost like some bad Englishmen just were like, yeah, I'll get the gist. And then they came over <laughs> to a new country and started with that. Um, I
0: should say uh, I'm very much uh, I'm somebody who there, there are a lot of snobby Brits who are just really dismissive about American English. And I, I enjoy pointing out sometimes that actually the English that Americans speak is closer to that, which we used to speak before, you know, in those times. And actually our language has moved on but through different influences from the continent and, and other places. Um and it and it annoys me when people are just like yeah they, you know they can't spell they can't speak properly. I was just curious there that the differences that we've we kind of we have one s where we add it yeah. over here and one s where we take it away and vice versa. It's sort of in, I don't know how those things come about.
1: I do like maths. There there is multiple numbers. One might say an endless amount yeah. of numbers. So <laughs> and different ways of doing math. So maths yeah. makes sense to me.
0: There are more. There's more than one sport as well. But if you're talking about <laughs> a sport, you can't be like if you're playing football, you're not. sports. You're, for a sport. Yeah, you're not playing sports though. You're playing a sport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we thrashed that out. Uh, and all the billions of listeners to this podcast will now reconfigure the way in which they speak, mm, or not. Next up, we have a selection from one of our most regularly featured composers. From one of our most regularly featured. Game series and indeed a series that we are in the midst of covering on the Kano Rinse podcast, Final Fantasy, Nobuo Uematsu. This is a request from Joe 81, who says playing through this game recently for the Kano Rinse podcast, I was immediately entranced by the atmospheric and eerie music accompanying my first foray into the futuristic dungeon, Lunatic Pandora. It's like Uematsu channeled his inner hip Tanaka of Metroid fame, but Mm. still managed to keep much of the same progressive meets classical arrangements that he is known for. To me, this is right up there with the Final Fantasy VII world map theme as my favourite Final Fantasy tune. So let's hear it, Lunatic Pandora. (laughs) From 20 years ago, the 1999 game that we recently covered on the Kane and Rinse podcast. Another one I ended up having to drop out of, sadly, (laughs) still on my backlog. Uh, it's quite hard playing all the games and all the Final Fantasies at the same time. But um, Josh and Leah seeing it through, well done. Uh, we've had a lot of help from uh, other members of the team as well, John and and people. Um, we've got a special guest coming up for our Final Fantasy Nine podcast. It's interesting, a guy called Chris Lane who basically contacted me out of the blue and said, "I am a Final Fantasy Nine super fan. I YouTube about it. I write about yeah. it. I talk about it." can I come on your Final Fantasy IX show? I was like, sure you can. <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, that will be cool. Uh, the podcast for that one, Final Fantasy Eight, was issue 357, if you want to check that out. Now I'm joined by my guest, Ryan Q. Quintal from the Playwright podcast, and now, you know, therefore officially a member of the family, the Canaan Rince clan.
1: Wild. Wild. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh now this next one is a bit more of a a deep cut uh, a less well-known game and name and franchise tell us all about Astroneer and this music that you've picked for it from it
1: Yeah uh, if somebody is interested in uh this is a whole genre of video game that I think you know Minecraft kind of popularized and that sort of survival playground sim but mostly chill Um, setting, and I I saw people playing Minecraft, and I was like, ah, it's kind of interesting. I tried it a couple times. It's not really for me, and a couple, maybe a few years ago at this point, circa 2016, I found this game, Astroneer, and something about it just sliced right through my brain. It was like Mm. the... I was like, somebody here understands me. I just want to be alone on a planet. It's <laughs> nice to play with friends, um, and I, I do do that occasionally if I can convince yeah. anybody. I'm thinking about buying copies for everybody at canon and Ritz just so I can get somebody to play this game with me. Okay, um, does it
0: work? It works in the way that you can share servers and stuff like my Minecraft. Yeah, everybody kind of thing?
1: can jump in and co contribute or whatever. Um, nice. But you play an astronaut, you land on a planet, you're alone, and it's just kind of everything uh orally about this game. Any audio in it is so spot on. And I know that you're you're gonna listen to this track coming up and it's gonna be um, or you did just listen to this track. Uh and it's going to be something where it's warm, it's synthetic, but it kind of deforms its sound in the way that old analog synths used to. And it really like goes best with the pleasant pops and chinks and chunks of the uh, Astroneer sound palette, if you will. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's evocative of being alone in space and nothing except for sunrises and sunsets and spelunking. Thank you.
0: That was the Gathering Three, and I wish I had Michiel here, but I think we're going to go with Rutger Zoidervelt, <laughs> or possibly Rutger Zoidervelt uh, from Astroneer, which is a few years old now. Has it recently come? Oh no, it's PC and Xbox One, so this is not a Switch title. It's a it's a computery kind of game.
1: Yeah, too bad it would be great on the Switch. Although you know, an Xbox can barely run it. It feels oh, like okay, um, best on PC at this best point. on PC for sure
0: yeah 2016 game so what's uh, what's the sort of aesthetic is it realistic or does it have a, an art style or
1: it's a it's funny because the song's so textural but the palette of the game is smooth polygonal um almost textureless but you have right. a terrain deformation tool so you can dig in a very um organic way it's almost like a 3d sphere moving through space as you dig um so yeah. Hmm. Uh, and with like hyper bright color palettes. So, you you know, you can oh, kind right. of imagine it in your mind. It's this very friendly thing. Google some images and I think you'll you'll yeah. at least get a desktop wallpaper for a couple days.
0: Is it uh, is it like a million hour potential game, that kind of thing? Kind of.
1: I, so it's funny because when I started playing it, you could get through the entirety of the tech tree in maybe a two or three hour session. Um. Now right. they've kind of you know that was an early access it became 1.0 just at the beginning of this year so now it's kind of a maybe a week ish to get through the entirety of the tech tree um, okay. they've spreaded some things out they've rebalanced and stuff and it was also my first exercise in being invested in a game and watching it change and develop and I'm I work in software as a designer so yeah it, I got to see a video game do something that made sense to me that i didn't feel like other i had seen before in like a triple a space or whatever so yeah it really the whole thing just strikes me if anybody out there is interested in playing astroneer please tweet me and we will jump on
0: nice and uh and it's it's got a solid following then
1: yeah i think so yeah no clip just did a wonderful documentary on it
0: oh great oh well that's that's gonna help no end superb As always, a crashing change of pace and mood now. Uh, It's just the way I like to do things. Um, Why not? Uh, This is a request from Stalked by Cats. We've played a few tracks from this franchise before. It's not a franchise we've covered on the other podcast. Uh, I recently added all the games in the Ace Combat series to our big old spreadsheet. I'm not sure how much enthusiasm there is among the team, but the recent installment that came out seems to have had pretty good reviews especially in VR apparently it's uh, it's oh. a cracking experience slapping the uh, helmet on and being the fighter pilot um this request though comes all the way from 2006 and a PS2 game stalked by cats from the forum says i think when i requested a track from ace combat 0 a while back i said something about how i could have picked uh from this soundtrack but it would have been too obvious suffice to say I've done some growing as a person since then and realised that a lot of the time the reason a choice is obvious is because it's just that good. Zero is certainly one of those cases. Not only is it a kick-ass track on its own merits, it also perfectly epitomises the moment of the game. It scores a nerve-wracking mix between an intimate and deadly dance between the clouds that can switch into a jousting match at the drop of a hat. Let no one accuse the Ace Combat series of being subtle when it comes to the Knights of the Air metaphor all the while listening to your nemesis explain the philosophical underpinnings of his various misdeeds in his best metal gear solid fashion <laughs> just listening to the track makes my palms get sweaty to the point of having trouble holding the dual shock so this is called zero from ace combat zero the Belkan war Game in true Namco tradition has a number of composers credited, so you may have to take your pick. Uh, the internet does not help me, but mm. uh, Keiki Kobayashi, Tetsu kazu Nakanishi, Hiroshi okubu and Junichi Nakatsuru are the credited composers on that soundtrack. Uh, have you ever Ace combated or is that too? You you said you like just being alone on a planet. Uh, you also <laughs> like flying around at two thousand miles an hour shooting bad guys out the sky
1: i do i love uh flying and uh playing games i've never played ace combat i don't know how close or not Hmm. close it is to the experience i used to have with my uh crimson skies of the world or my star foxes of the world but uh yeah i'm down to to play in ace combat is it more in the cockpit sort of stuff
0: uh uh, i'm not an expert myself i think it has some and some i'm not sure if it's like freely selectable between i just remember cockpit hearing it's very external. hard um i th- i'm not sure actually i think maybe difficulty spikes are in there um i think yeah i think it's either a mixture of third and first person or it's uh, depend or it's mission dependent or you can select depending on the game um but it certainly sounds like the recent one would be you know in terms of graphical Sort of prowess and and spectacle a good place to start. Do you have a PSVR at all yourself?
1: Um. So get this: when I moved to Detroit, I sold my PlayStation Four. All um, oh, right. Because, because we had an awful pest problem in our apartment, and I was worried that there were cockroaches living in it, as per a bunch hmm. of internet stories. They were like cockroaches living PlayStation Okay. 4s. And I was like, oh my god, I don't even want to. think about hear that. about that. Yeah. Hmm. Um. So yeah, I need to get a PlayStation again, and I'm I've just been waiting for anything resembling a a reasonable price drop. I imagine we might be in store for one this E three ish slash holiday season. So we'll see. But I have to catch up with Spider Man, and yeah, I'm excited for Ghost of Tsushima, and all, you know all the stuff coming from their first party studios.
0: Okay, and then Ace Combat with a VR hat on.
1: Yeah. Oh my sure. god, totally. <laughs>
0: Uh, now, next up, we were talking about uh, Nindies. Uh, this is also a PC game, as they tend to be as well. Um, this is one that our Brian from the Rinse team has uh, also been singing the praises of on our uh, communications channel over at uh, the Rinse Slack Moonlighter. So, this is, as I understand it, a game in which this is, but this is me clutching at. Uh, what I little I know, it's a game where you're both uh, a shopkeeper who has to deal with market forces, but also an adventurer who has to go delving into dungeons.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. And the dungeons. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So the dungeons end up having a little bit of, um, if you could play Link to the Past, but have a bit of like a dodge and roll mechanic with it. Yeah. Um. So it's a little that and. I just love, because <laughs> again, now this is boring time, back to my job. You're always trying to figure out like what the right price is for your customer base and software. Mm. And Moonlighter has this system that I just wish I could use in real life, which is, somebody looks at one of your items, and they yeah. kind of give an emoji that expresses how they feel about the price. Okay. Um, and then it starts to write out in this little book for you, like, what type of emojis you were getting from the reaction of your prices, and you kind of Learn what makes your customers happy, but not too happy. You don't want them to get, be getting too much of a deal. Um, yeah, which will they'll appear with golden coins in their eyes, which is very funny. Um, but yeah, this, this like song was like so quintessentially a, um, it felt like it came from a Square Enix RPG or something. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what I thought. Is like this is a classic, uh, nice calm pleasant village scene theme yeah obviously influenced so this is a composer with the name of david fenn Uh, but yes as you say it sounded to me like it could have come from a yeah any kind of any of the the major jrpg studios
1: right if we said nothing else except for this is from octopath traveler everyone would go that's right it absolutely was yeah Um, yeah but yeah it's just got a great it's a great song with a great mix and you do uh (laughs) <laughs> like with a lot of games where you're repeating things, and you, it is kind of a roguelike in its dungeon approach, yeah. Um. you you hear the song a lot, so prepare to enjoy it.
0: <laughs> if you don't like it, you're hosed. That's right. <laughs> Good stuff. Village of Rinoka or Rhinoka are we going with? I don't know.
1: I couldn't tell you. Yeah, it's only been expressed to me in text. Okay, we'll say
0: Rinoka from Moonlighter. The 2018 Digital Sun game, released by the uh, prolific and consistent, I would say, 11-bit studios, uh, on PC and Switch. Yeah, uh, as I say, not only uh, do we have Ryan here singing that game's praises, we also have Brian over on the uh, and the Cana Rince team. So, any notion as to how many uh, how many hours you've put into Moonlighter? What kind of where have you got with the game?
1: Man, I've probably maybe 10-ish. Um... That that could be a gross exaggeration, though. It's hard to tell because I'm just yeah. going through loops, and I haven't quite overcome the first of only four dungeons. If th- if I had one critique, it would be: Hey, guys, give me more dungeons and less time per dungeon.
0: All uh, right. There's ah. been a um, fairly major update recently, I think, or it's
1: coming. Ooh, okay. I did not know that. Fantastic. Yeah,
0: you might want to check uh, recent news about Moonlighter. At uh, the time of recording, we're recording this on 20th of March 2019, listeners. But uh, yeah, there was a news story which I, I shared with Brian because I knew he'd be excited about an update. And yeah, it's either imminent or it's happened, something like that. So oh, wonderful. check it out.
1: Yeah, I will absolutely mm. check it out.
0: Our penultimate track today is another request from the Kano Rince community. Don't forget to head over to the forum and make your requests. We've also had requests on. Uh, other places recently, uh, such as a YouTube comment even possibly, that worked, and a Facebook <laughs> certainly. Um, can Magical people Isopod write though. into
1: our podcast to give you guys, requ- how how far removed can you get?
0: If, if Ryan remembers, <laughs> if H remembers to pick them up and bring them over, then people can do whatever they want. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. Uh, So this is another uh, independently developed game that uh, has also come to Switch and PS4 and PC. And I think all the others possibly. Uh, Iconoclasts. This is one of those um, people who make me sick with their talent. Uh, Joachim (laughs) Sandberg, who did everything. Magical Ice Pod says, The track here starts with a tron- strong sensation of pathos before a surprising tempo change that sends chills down my spine every time I hear it. It's such an evocative, emotional piece that works perfectly for the scene it accompanies. It's mournful, even as it jumps from a somber cutscene section to an amped up boss fight tune. Music credited to Joachim Sandberg, also known as Konjak or Cognac, possibly, uh, who developed the entire game and soundtrack as a one man project. Uh. I think this was recently a PS Plus game as well. So people may have it in their collections. It reviewed extremely well when it came out in maybe quarter three 2018. So do check it out, people, if you like the sound of this tune, especially.
1: I brought you moonlighter this person's bringing you moonlight moonlight
0: then from iconoclasts uh nothing to do with the barry jenkins film of the same name uh, but do watch that as well it's very good uh it won an oscar don't you know Wow! remember please venture over to our forum at kainerince.com slash forum you can also follow us on twitter at kainerince use the hashtag sound of play if you like as i say we also have a facebook page we also have other podcasts Uh, If you interact with with playwright, uh, give him a game pitch and also a request for Sound of Play. Why not? Uh, Request your favourites, other curios and interesting tracks from the history of the medium. And we'll continue to include a selection in the playlist for each regular Sound of Play podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast if you don't already. Leave us a review or rating wherever you get your podcast from that allow such things, whether it's thumbs ups or stars or hearts or whatever. And Apple Podcasts and iTunes, obviously, it's five stars and you can even give us a written review if you want to. It all does help more than just the words. It actually contributes to our chart position. Mm. Listen to our other podcasts, as I've mentioned them already, but let's go again. Cain and Rince on Mondays. That's our deep dive review show. We have the Sausage Factory on Fridays where Chris O'Regan interviews developers of games uh, such as those we've been hearing about today. Maybe not those specific ones, but uh, that kind of thing and playwright on wow. Thursdays. <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah. So let's do let's pitch pitch the pitch show.
1: Pitch the pitch show. Uh every week H and I scramble to come up with ideas for video games. We don't know each other's pitches before, but we come up with crazy ideas uh and the community of amazing listeners have been nice enough to write in and you know we started the show saying hey what if we can get people to write in i was like i have no idea if we can convince people to do that um but we very rarely have no uh listener community pitches so if you have an idea for a video game even something as silly and as stupid as x meets y uh,
0: yeah
1: don't don't be afraid put it on there we will read it on the show and we kind of discuss it we have a 10 minute timer to discuss and see if we can turn it into something
0: it's really cool, and I think uh, even though you've been going best part of a couple of years now, there's still nothing else like it out there. Um, Not right now. I know so that either means it's the best idea or
1: the worst idea.
0: <laughs> I think the <laughs> former. Um, and I think it would, obviously, you know, you, you, and we at Cana Rince don't own the uh, the concept, but uh, but oh I, yeah. yeah, all I ideas it, are
1: for everyone. If you wanted to absolutely just mind too. the show for an idea to make your next game, go for it.
0: Yeah, credit creditors, if you want, um, say, inspired by Playwright yeah. and Kane and Rince. If, when you make your game and you make your millions and it becomes as big a hit as, like, Stardew Valley or something. Right, and I'm going nice. to want to piece
1: that by. I'm going to litigate yeah. for sure. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah.
0: These ideas are thrown uh, generously into the public domain. Um, but, no, regardless, even if you're not a creative person, uh, it's a fantastic listen. Um, just, yeah, if just for... The thought of some of these games like who didn't grow up playing video games and thinking if only they did this or they did that yeah remember follow us on social media we're on instagram we're on facebook and we're on twitter and if you've enjoyed this show and you enjoy all the content that we produce you can support us and our efforts to the tune of a mere one us dollar a month which is currently around 75p uh, or point eight something of a euro Patreon.com slash Just a buck a month gets you extended editions of the Cane and Rinse podcast and a week early and three month early podcasts in the case of our format only specials. Uh, you also get a monthly podcast with me and Jay kind of catching up and talking about all kinds of stuff and just chewing the fat. Uh, it's good value for a dollar and we really appreciate the support. So thanks, Ryan. We're gonna hear your last uh, piece in a bit. Uh, did you wanna uh, you were saying about people tweeting you about playing Astroneer. What's your uh, what's your Twitter, dude?
1: Oh, I'm I'm at Ryan Quintel, Q-U-I-N-T-A-L on Twitter, and playwright is at Cast. We're also at playwrightcast.com, but you don't have to go anywhere except for canonrince.com because all the episodes are there now too.
0: Yes. Isn't that good? Uh so this last piece is familiar to everybody Um, (laughs) in the world you would hope so by this point uh it's a very old piece of music from the 19th century uh and i've never been able to pronounce it correctly my russian is non-existent but i think it's something along the lines of korobianiki so this is the tetris 99 version so uh, are you one of the many who have been sucked into the world of combative battle royale Tetris <laughs> with the, the free-to-play version of Tetris ninety-nine.
1: Yeah, I, I've always loved Tetris. Uh regrettably that's another thing I have to catch up with Tetris Effect on PlayStation.
0: Um mm. but do that. Yes, that's absolutely. Good. I uh, recommend that.
1: So I played a little bit of Tetris Effect, and I was lucky enough a friend let me play the classic kind of skin on Tetris Effect, and I played it and I said they got a note wrong. How do you get a single note? And it wouldn't be a sound of play appearance if I didn't sing you a little bar. So mm-hmm. in the Tetris effect, it goes da, 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 and that is not the note. It's supposed to be da, 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 it goes down and then back right. up. And I was Maybe it's so- a copyright issue. Yeah, that's right. Mizuguchi didn't want to touch it. So um, yeah, the Tetris 99 theme crushes it, hits it out of the park. That's exactly how Tetris is supposed to sound. Tetris Effect, (laughs) I'll stick to the cool ambient Mizuguchi soundtrack stuff. Keep that classic Tetris from Tetris Effect away from me.
0: Right, so uh, in this case, we don't actually know the name of the composer. I looked up, I went to Moby Games, I went yeah, to Giant Bombs. Uh, uh, there's nothing. It's basically, the the developer is Eureka, and we talked about Eureka on our Tetris podcast, which I thoroughly recommend. Kane Rinse podcast, issue 270. I did a lot of research for that one. We talked about kind of all the major versions and some curious versions of Tetris from the inception in 1984 all the way up to whenever we recorded that show. So obviously it doesn't include Tetris Effect and Tetris 99 but we did talk about Arika's previous attempts at Tetris uh, which include the famous and famously hardcore Grand Master series which is obviously why uh, Nintendo got them on board for this uh, particular incarnation the hope is um, I'm sure we all have this hope that that very stripped down basic client that they released that is fantastic in its own right will be embellished with more modes and options and, and become a really you know, nice, fully featured Tetris package over the next year or two. I think that would be great, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, keep going. is Whenever, whenever something's good, my only advice is keep going. Just keep going, Eureka. You're doing it right. Give me more Tetris.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's close the show with a jolly old uh, disco sort of J-pop-ish version. <laughs> Maybe? Yeah. Um, it reminds me, actually, the uh, I don't. Did it hit in America, the Dr. Spin version of Tetris in 1989 oh. slash 90? I don't know. It was. So Andrew Lloyd Webber, the famous musical producer and writer.
1: Wow. Go, you go, Joseph
0: uh yeah so he he put out a record based on this tune and obviously i think i say obviously but i think because the korobianiki is a trad old russian tune it had no copyright so the fact that it was used in the game didn't prevent them from um putting the record out although actually the record has got tetris on the cover and it's called tetris so i don't know there there were as we discussed in our podcast, there were all sorts of rights issues over Tetris. But anyway, Dr. Spin, Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, made a disco version of this tune back in, yeah, about 1989, 1990. And this is quite close to it, but it doesn't have the um, late 80s, early 90s dance kind of uh, motifs of, <laughs> and people going, Tetris! Uh, yeah! So, yeah, that kind of thing and uh, those samples that you'll know from that era if you're old enough. Uh, But yes, it's good fun nonetheless. So we'll close with it. Uh, My name's Leon. Thank you for listening.
1: Thank you, Ryan, for joining me again. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Listen to our other podcasts, including Playwright, and we'll leave you with some Tetris 99. Until next time.